Hello, friends. Welcome to season two of the 21st Century Farm D podcast. My name is Brooke Griffin, and I'm your host. This season, you will hear from inspiring pharmacists who have an important message for us all. Let's get right to it. Hello, friends. Today, I'm interviewing Dalton Fabian, a pharmacist and data science analyst for Unity Point Health. Listen to how following his interests outside of pharmacy eventually led him to a unique career path in pharmacy. Hey, Dalton, how are you today? I'm doing good, Brooke. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for being here. I'm so glad that we connected on LinkedIn because I think that you are going to be sharing a lot of valuable insight on data analytics and data science, and that is an area that we haven't covered yet on the podcast. So I'm super excited to have you here. So thank you. You're welcome. I usually start by asking my guests the story behind their name. Would you mind sharing? Yeah. So I don't have any, there's no real like crazy stories about my name, or at least if I've been told them, I've forgotten them. But I do have uh, just kind of funny or amusing things about my name over the years. They're very, very strange things. Um, So first is, uh, so my name is Dalton Fabian, but I had a teacher in uh, high school that thought my name sounded like it should be a famous person's name. And so he would always call me Hollywood, which I, I found funny as a, as a kid or a high schooler. Um, and then the, the other kind of weird thing about my name is that there's this thing that happens over and over again. It's usually with people that I um, and work with tangentially for like our data science tools. But for some reason, they think my first name is Fabian and my last name is Dalton. So it happens pretty frequently. Like it'll happen at least once a month, which is very strange because I know... I know more Daltons. I don't know many Daltons, but I know more Daltons than I do Fabians. Um, so there's just some like weird things about my name that I would never have expected. <laughs> that is funny. And I, I don't think I've ever met a Dalton before. I think you're the first Dalton I've ever met. Nice. So that's exciting. And who knows, maybe your high school teacher had this premonition. Like I yeah, think maybe, maybe, I think maybe you will become Hollywood. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> Um, so I know we've connected a little bit online. We've sent a couple of emails back and forth and I want you to know that I'm trying to build this community of pharmacists and students to network and share ideas. So your experience fits really well into all of this. Um, how did you initially find our group? Yeah. So I originally found it when you interviewed Charmy. I saw her post about it on LinkedIn and got really interested in it. And I'm, I'm obsessed with podcasts. Like I have so many podcasts that I listen to. So I was like, oh, I definitely have to uh, check out more of these episodes. And I've uh, really appreciated kind of the types of different questions that you ask than other podcasts. So I kind of got um, involved in it that way, just seeing it on, on LinkedIn and kind of following along. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for that. And besides this podcast, what is like your favorite pharmacy podcast? Hmm. Pharmacy podcast. Um, I would say probably like RX radio or your financial pharmacist. Those are probably uh, two of my big pharmacy ones, but like non-pharmacy, I'm a huge armchair expert uh, fan. If anyone's familiar with that podcast with Dax Shepard um, and then like how I built this more of a, it's an NPR podcast, more of an entrepreneurial type podcast. And is, is Guy Raz, is he the host of that one? Yep. Yep. He's the host of How I Built This. And he just came out with like a book based on the podcast too, which is interesting. That's really cool. He's also the host of a kid's podcast. Oh, um, yeah. 
yeah, so I, I've, I've heard his voice on the kid podcast. And then when I listened to how I built this, I'm like, how do I know this voice? Oh, that's funny. And then he said his name and I was like, oh my God, it's Guy yeah. Ross. Oh my God, it's too funny. Okay, so we have so many things to cover today besides podcasts. So <laughs> what I want to actually do is go back in time to pharmacy school. And if you could tell us where you went to school and what kinds of activities you were involved in as a student. Yeah, so I went to Drake University. I graduated in 2018, so I'm a, a couple of years out. But while I was in pharmacy school, I was heavily involved in some of the student organizations that we had at Drake, uh, primarily APHA ASP. And then we had this umbrella organization that sat over all of the national student organizations. So I was heavily involved in that group too. Um, I, I did a, a, a unique internship while I was in pharmacy school also. And that kind of started me down on this path, I would say. So it was a digital health company here in Des Moines that was an online platform for patients with diabetes. So they could upload their blood sugars and medications. Uh, so that was, that was a great kind of first experience in health technology. I got to develop features or new features on the website, those kind of things, and work with some of our software developers, uh, which was a, a neat experience. And through, through most of school, I was really interested kind of starting with that internship in pursuing some sort of technology role. Um, I figured it would be something uh, primarily like informatics. I think I learned maybe about informatics my P2 end of P1 year. Um, I'd always, I had taken computer science classes all throughout high school and college. So that kind of was always um, on my mind as something I would be interested in doing. And then I learned about informatics and saw the, uh, saw the connection there. So then after I learned about that, I spent a good chunk of that P2 year, P3 year connecting uh, with some pharmacists who did informatics to learn more about the field. And then really the first kind of push that I got to work towards, towards my current position uh, was having to retake my Therapeutics 3 class. Um, so this was a class that we took in P3 year uh, in the spring. So that meant that I actually had to repeat a year of pharmacy school to take that one class. I was really tying it back to kind of my involvement. Uh, it was really the result of overextending myself with leadership roles, including I was the president of our APHA ASP chapter. Kind of had a lot going on and uh, classwork kind of slipped a little bit, but that gave me the opportunity to spend that extra year and actually get my data analytics minor that I graduated with in, in addition to my PharmD. So that whole next year was retaking that class and taking those analytics classes. But then, as I'm sure we'll get into later, that next year, rotations year, was when I really started uh, pursuing data science as a career. Okay, thank you for sharing. There's kind of a couple things I wanna go back to here because I don't wanna skip over them quickly. It sounds like you had a few leadership roles in several organizations at the college. And you had this unique internship at this digital health company. And I guess I'm just going to step out for a minute and ask, do you think you'd be where you are today in your career if, if you didn't have that internship? Do you think that really helped meld your worlds of computer science and pharmacy? Like, it sounds like you did a lot of networking and connecting with people and informatics, and that all came. But I wonder if this internship really sparked something that you, maybe you didn't know existed before. Yeah, I definitely think it did because even, um, so actually I was an intern while I was in school, but the year post-graduation, I also worked part-time 
at that company. And so I was kind of working in digital health and that kind of helped me to connect with some other um, pharmacy leaders that were doing um, some of that innovative digital health informatics type stuff. So it kind of gave me um, a way to see how that would kind of be the future of pharmacy essentially is some of the digital health informatics data science concepts. Yeah, I love that because I think sometimes pharmacy students have these interests that seem so far away from pharmacy. And I encourage students to just follow their curiosities, even if they can't even see how the dots can connect later. And if you continue to follow your curiosities, then these interests of yours become closer and closer over time. So I think, I think that what, what, you th what you went through kind of supports that. So I love yeah. that. And I think um, even that, that's great that you just mentioned that because I was thinking, so I took these classes in high school and in college, these computer science classes, and probably for the first year or two of pharmacy school in my pre-pharmacy years, I just figured they would be completely separate. Like maybe I might do, I don't know, like website design on the side or something like that as a side hustle type thing. But then, yeah, once I learned about informatics, I definitely saw how those were going to come together and put kind of the bug uh, there to start pursuing the combination of both of them instead of one of them just being kind of a side thing. Right, right. Because we can't shut out our interests and we can't shut out our hobbies. And who knows, maybe it could become part of our day job. I mean, who, who knows? So yeah. I love that. I also appreciate what you said about having the leadership roles and the risk of overextending ourselves. And I feel like some students shy away from taking on too much because they have this fear of overextending themselves. They know they want to make sure they can be successful academically. And I know that um, there are several students that do repeat courses and repeat years in pharmacy school. And it sounds like you've been able to kind of reframe that in a positive way because it gave you that time to do these data analytics courses. So I guess the question is two part. What advice would you have for students that are in a lot, of, a lot of leadership roles, is there anything they can do to kind of prevent that overextension or maybe look out for certain red flags? And then my second part of the question is, how did you reframe that in such a positive way? Were you in, a, were you in kind of a negative space, like down in the dumps, oh my God, I have to repeat this course, I'm gonna be delayed my graduation. And then how, what got you into the positive mindset of, okay, but look what I can do with this year. Yeah, so I think uh, the first part of that question, my, my advice, and I wish I had you know done this better while I was in the situation, was like really becoming good at delegating. And I feel like I'm definitely better because of that experience at delegating. But as the as the chapter president of APHA ASP, I had uh, like five to ten people that had also that also had elected positions in the organization that you know covered. Uh, patient care screenings and policy stuff. And so being able to kind of let go of a lot of the things that I was doing and ha let them um, take control of their events more, I think that would have been definitely something that I could have done better. And it was kind of interesting this summer on our data science team, we had an intern. Um, so that also kind of gave me some more, a little bit more practice in learning what I can and should delegate rather than kind of taking on myself and holding my back, holding me back from doing uh, other projects that I could be working on. Um, I think the first couple of weeks after that were definitely, after I knew that I was going to have to repeat a year, were definitely um, difficult, but there was, there was no way that I was going to get around having to take 
the the school year over essentially retake that class and so I, I pretty much had to get over it and I think once I um, realized that I was only a few classes away from doing my data analytics minor um, I at that point you know I had wanted to do something in technology and knew that I wanted to combine the two so just the ability that I had to be able to take to finish that data analytics minor I had to take I think three classes and so I took two in the fall and one in the spring that really made me a lot more excited about, um, I don't know if excited is the right word, but it made me at least gave me peace with uh, the fact that I had to repeat that, that class. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think when you have kind of this other goal you're shooting for, kind of like, okay, I'm going to use this time yeah. wisely. It doesn't feel necessarily like, quote, I feel like some students feel like it's, quote, a wasted year, but it's really not. Right. What you do with that year, that's important. So yeah, exactly. love that. So this interest for informatics and data science is growing. I, and I can feel that as you're going through pharmacy school. What did you initially think you wanted to do after graduation? What kinds of things did you pursue uh, right after graduation? Yeah, so um, I kind of knew that I wanted to do um, some data science informatics. So I pursued residency opportunities. Uh, so, you know, I applied for residencies during my P4 year um, and I actually applied for residencies also after I graduated, like that winter after I graduated to um, get an informatics position. I was mostly looking at programs that had the combined PG1, PGY1, PGY2 program where you don't apply to the second year, you just kind of go all the way through. Um, so I was doing that, kind of applying for that. Um, I also started in the fall of 2018, so right after I graduated, a master's in analytics um, at Georgia Tech, which was all all online, uh, great program. So I knew that I kind of wanted to be in um, data science based on the experience I had during my rotation year. And so I knew that was one possible way that I could uh, get into that field. But then immediately after graduation, in addition to that master's, um, I, you know, I mentioned before that I went and worked part-time at that digital health company. I kind of uh, pieced together a couple of different positions to essentially get to full-time work along with my master's and so I worked for that digital health company did a lot more feature development and then also started working as a, uh, a PRN pharmacist at a methadone clinic in town which was a great experience to and I still do that every third weekend but a great experience to still have some of that patient interaction uh, that was that was one of my favorite parts about pharmacy school and working uh, in community pharmacy was working with patients so I still was able to get to that and still um, keep in touch with patients and counsel and stuff like that. Yeah, so these residency positions you were applying for had a focus in informatics, yes. right? Okay, yep. and it sounds like when you applied for the residency year P4 year, you weren't successful, so you tried again that next right. residency cycle. Yep, exactly, so after I didn't match uh, P4 year, I didn't go through the second round, uh, kind of the programs that I had wanted or that were going to get me to an informatics position weren't really um, there anymore. So that's when I focused on, you know, coming up with an idea of working for the digital health company after graduation and uh, the master's degree and the methadone clinic. Okay. So would you say that it sounds like having a PGY-1 or a PGY-2 in informatics isn't necessarily necessary or required to obtain a position in informatics and data science. Would you agree with that? Or what do you think the residency program would have offered you? 
Yeah. Um, so I think um, for, for a position in data science and informatics residency or really honestly any residency is uh, not needed. Um, for, for informatics, kind of what I had figured out or heard from other people is that um, positions in informatics are starting to require PGY2s in informatics. Like there's a more likely to be a hard requirement now. Uh, back in the day, it seems like a lot of people were inpatient pharmacists and helped with the implementation of a new system. And so they kind of learned some of those informatics concepts in practice and transitioned to informatics role. But now, um, nowadays it seems as if, if you wanna do informatics, um, especially at like big institutions, you need some of that additional training uh, of a PGY1, PGY2 in, in informatics. But in terms of data science, you definitely don't need, uh, it relies more on like general healthcare knowledge rather than pharmacy workflow, which is really what informatics, uh, pharmacy informatics residency will get you. Okay, this sounds like a really good time to maybe talk about the definitions of some terms. So how would you describe to someone who's kind of new into this space, what is the definition of data science? What is the definition of informatics? How are, and how are they connected or not? Yeah, that's a great question because I, when I get people that reach out and want to learn more about my job, they don't have a, a full understanding of what data science is or even that it's different than informatics. I kind of get a lot of those questions too about informatics when it's um, some of the same skills still apply, but um, there's a, a good bit of distinction between the two. And so for data science, I think the easiest way to explain the field of data science is that you are essentially predicting the future with data from the past. And so you're applying some of these mathematical and statistical methods and like computer programming to find the likelihood that something is going to happen in the future based on what's happened in the past, because uh, especially in like with patients' health, the past is a good way to, to predict the future. Like if you have heart failure and keep uh, admitting to the hospital, you're probably gonna do the same thing um, in the future. But then there's also a component of data science that's developing. So once you're able to predict those things, like how do you, how do you visualize that information to the user, like user interface that they'll understand it and know what to do with it. Um, so it also involves a lot of stakeholder engagement to, to make or to let your users know how to use your tool. So it's very interdisciplinary. I work with uh, system leaders and nurses all of the time. Um, and just a, a caveat, um, data science um, sometimes gets lumped in with terms like machine learning and artificial intelligence. So sometimes those are used interchangeably, especially in healthcare. Uh, but informatics is more, um, so while data science is very broad in terms of like who I'm working with, nurses, physician leaders, uh, supply chain individuals, pharmacy informatics is very focused on the pharmacy workflow process. So you're implementing a new OmniCell product into the pharmacist workflow. You're fixing the OmniCell when it, when it breaks. Um, you're putting orders into the electronic health record that physicians are going to, um, to order. So it's very medication process uh, focused, whereas uh, data science is a lot more broad. Okay, that helps a lot, I think, because I, I think okay, I hear the terms being used interchangeably and I also hear pharmacists and students getting very excited about the idea of AI and machine learning. So I'm really glad that you clarified all those terms for us. 
And I really appreciate you talking about your pursuit of residency. And sometimes we don't always hear from people who are willing to talk about some of the, the inability to match. But it sounds like you've been able to, I don't want to say piece together because that, that, that has a weird connotation to it, but you're able to get the patient care experience you need uh, for clinical practice. You've got this data science position. And tell us about more about your current role and how you got that. Are you still with that same digital health company or did you switch companies? Yeah, so I totally switched companies and I can point that out in, in the process. But so when it really started during my P4 year and like how I got to this current position at Unity Point Health, which is my health system. Um, so as I mentioned, I was kind of interested or more interested in informatics or the concept of informatics while I was heading into my P4 year. I hadn't really dove very deeply into data science yet. I had taken some of those classes, but was thinking that informatics and residency was the path that I was going to take. Um, so I mentioned it uh, to a preceptor that was interested in informatics. Um, and they connected me with the, uh, the husband of a student who was a couple years ahead of me, um, who was a pharmacy student a couple years ahead of me. So I went and shadowed him. And while I was at this rotation I was on was at a Unity Point site, so the company I work for now. Um, so I shadowed him, uh, learned more about his job. And then he told me that there was a data analytics team in the building next door, essentially. And so learned about, um, went and shadowed them, the analytics team, and learned about uh, Unity Point and data analytics at Unity Point. As I was leaving that shadow, they told me about, there was this data scientist, Ben, who worked in the department also. He happened to be like out of vacation at the time or something like that. And so uh, I got in touch with him and went back to shadow, to shadow him. And that was really when I knew that data science was gonna be the thing that I wanted to pursue in the end goal, maybe do informatics for a little bit, but then really wanted to get to data science because he showed me some of the projects that he was working on and they were extremely fascinating to me and they incorporated a lot of the computer science and programming things that I had, uh, classes that I had taken in school. Um, so I uh, met Ben, talked to him, learned about his job. So fast forwarding to graduation, I started working at a digital health company and doing the uh, methadone clinic. I um, obviously applied to residency, didn't get it, started my master's degree in analytics to get closer to working as a data scientist. But while all of that was happening, I had still been keeping in touch with Ben, the data scientist at Unity Point. And so about six months after graduation, I saw a data science internship posting at Unity Point. And so I reached out to uh, Ben about it to learn more about it and see if this was actually like with his team. And so when I reached out, Ben confirmed, yeah, this is with my team, but we already, we've already filled the two positions. Like we got, they got a ton of interest. Um, and so he wasn't able to like bring me in for an interview or anything. So I was obviously disappointed in that. But the next week I got an email from Ben saying that one of the people that they had uh, extended an offer to accepted an internship somewhere else. So he invited me uh, to interview for the uh, internship, which was at that point, mostly just a formality because he already knew that I was interested in data science and kind of had kept in touch with him um, over that past about year and a half at that time. So what I uh, did then after that interview is I started my data science internship in May 2019. It was a 10-week thing um, and was hired on full-time after that. So I've been at Unity Point for a year and a half now and directly as a result 
of that 10 week internship. And when I, when I took the internship, the plan was essentially um, if I fit in well with the team and that sort of thing, I would go on to have a full-time position open to me afterwards. Because at that point, when I did the internship, I had left the digital health company. I do a little bit on the side with them right now, but I was kind of going all in on this data science internship. So that made me more comfortable uh, with that sort of process or leaving that digital health company. All right, first of all, shout out to Ben. Yeah. <laughs> He sounds remarkable. He He's is. like your Obi-Wan. I mean, yep. <laughs> uh, so I, what, I, what I love about this story is that it started with this connection, this husband of a student a couple years ahead of you, and then you didn't just shadow one person. You, ha you shadowed three total people to get an idea of what this company offers, and then Ben opened up this world of data science to you and like pulled back the curtain to show you what kind of projects we're working on here. And then at, through pure, I don't know, providence or serendipity, this, this intern took another role, which opened up a spot for you, which I think is, is totally cool. I mean, you, these things, you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. And, the, yeah. The lesson I took from that was definitely like, tell your preceptors what you want to do because and your uh, preceptors and professors, because they're going to know people who do this and get you connected with them. I mean, they love to do that. And then, yeah, yes. just following that network chain. Like if there's something that piques your interest that someone you're talking to says, like g fully explore that because it might be the same opportunity where you get a couple people in and then you find the thing that you're, you know, really interested in. Yeah, no, I love that. And I, this is a quote I heard and I don't know who said it, but your next opportunity is not going to be like on indeed.com. It's going to be connected to a person. Yeah, I, th I think especially with the... Uh, pharmacy job outlook as it is now i think that's especially that's even more true is it's kind of who you know in addition to what you know the last thing i want to point out about that story was the fact that you did this 10-week internship after your pharmacy graduation and you were willing to just take this opportunity and is it a pharmacist salary probably not is it doing exactly the pharmacy work you were trained for probably not but is it an area you're interested in and they're willing to hire a pharmacist to do it? Yeah. So take this 10 weeks and take advantage of it with the idea that they may hire you at the end. I think that's, that's really exciting and unique. Yep. Um, are you the only pharmacist that works there in this data science? Yep. So our data science team is actually two people. It's Ben and I. Um, so Ben has more of a, a traditional math and statistics background. Um, it's actually kind of interesting. So our analytics department, we sit in the analytics department. And as a whole, we probably have I don't know, 50, 50 to 70 people who work in the analytics department. And um, I am right now actually, or in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be the only one uh, with any clinician training or background. There was uh, one of one of the regional analysts that is in the department is a dietitian, but she's actually moving on to a different opportunity within the organization. Um, so I'm going to go from being one of two uh, people with healthcare backgrounds to the only one. So, Dalton, what does that do to the t to the team? What do you bring as the only clinician or one of two clinicians? What does that add to projects? How does that add to projects? Yeah, I think the skills that I use the most that I gained in my pharmacy training is obviously the, the communication. Um, so Drake specifically focuses a lot on 
patient communication. Like we're doing it every single week. We were doing it every single week in lab patient counseling. We had some interprofessional days. So most of my work when I'm working with the users of my tool, most of those people are uh, nurses or were nurses and are in management roles. Um, so the interprofessional type communication, I think is somewhere where I bring uh, a unique experience having you know, worked with residents and physicians uh, during rotation and things like that. And then the other one I think is having a general understanding of healthcare. Like I understand what, a, I can read a lab description and understand what this lab is, whereas maybe it might take some more domain knowledge, expertise, or more training for someone who's not in healthcare to understand. Um, like I might be looking for HDL or LDL labs, and I need to figure out which one of these is an HDL or which one of these is uh, some sort of weird cholesterol ratio that involves HDL or LDL. And so I at least find that I'm better able to uh, differentiate between some of those lab descriptions and get the correct information into our machine learning algorithms and things like that. I think those are probably the two areas that I bring some of that pharmacy training uh, into the job where maybe some others need additional education on that. So tell us what a typical day like is for you. Are you behind a computer screen? Are you in an office setting? Are you having meetings throughout the day? Tell us what a typical day is like. Yeah, so as, as cliche as it sounds, all my days are different, uh, but it does, and it kind of is dictated by what, um, what type of project or what step in a project that we're doing. Um, so that might be, if we're at the beginning of a project, that might be doing literature review for new projects. Um, so just like uh, clinicians write literature for new drugs or studies on drugs, uh, people who do machine learning and data science also write articles and with what the projects that they did. And so if we're trying to predict the likelihood that someone's gonna go to the ED, the emergency room, we'll look for projects that try to do the same thing and see what data points they use. Like, do they use medications? Um, sometimes it's on an insurance payer side. So it's all claims data. Sometimes it's EHR data. Um, so you have to do a literature review for that sort of stuff. Um, otherwise, you know, some parts of the project are doing a lot of programming in a language called SQL, and that's to get data for our projects. So like finding all of the patients that were interested in predicting the likelihood of ER admission, um, finding all of their A1Cs, and so being able to uh, write code to do that. Sometimes it's building a user interface in a, ta in a tool called Tableau, the visualization tool. So taking some of that data that we collect and those predictions that we make and serving them up to users in a way that makes uh, sense. And then there's a lot of working with those nurses to show them a tool that we built or meeting with system leaders uh, to add new features to tools. So that's kind of like the, the path of a project. But like right now, um, we're kind of in between projects at the moment. So right now I'm learning more about some cloud computing um, concepts so we can kind of improve um, some of our like code infrastructure stuff that we do. Or I'm also working right now on expanding a tool that we've already made for care managers and expanding that to care coordinators in our health system. So it's kind of right now I'm kind of focused more on like ad hoc or like 
just random questions that people have or, you know, I want to see a phone number on this dashboard. Can you add it in? Those sorts of things. So you're definitely using your drug literature skills in yeah. a data science position. I love that. Yes. <laughs> so one concept you've talked about is the ability to use data to predict certain outcomes. Can you tell us a little bit more about that for someone who isn't familiar with this space? Definitely. So like I mentioned before, history tends to repeat itself, especially when you're talking about health history. So if someone has uncontrolled diabetes or heart failure and gets admitted multiple times recently, it's pretty easy to presume that they're going to do that again. And so we in data science try to see what trends exist in some sort of adverse health outcome and apply that to other patients. So if you're, if you're looking at a, a specific project, so one of our tools predicts the likelihood that somebody's going to readmit to the hospital within 30 days of discharge. And so that was determined to be a priority for Unity Point Health. And so what the data science team did is we'll, we'll go through and gather data about each patient uh, before they were in the hospital. So like, did they have diabetes? Did they have heart failure? What, what medical conditions they had? Yes or no to those uh, medical conditions. And then we'll gather information about what happened in the hospital. Like what was their sodium levels while they're in the hospital? All these different, uh, different lab values, things like that, that happened inside the hospital. And then we'll take a look at what they did 30 days post-discharge. Did they readmit while they were um, within that 30-day window or not? So when you, we get this info then for like thousands of hospitalizations in the past. And so you can train a computer to identify patterns in that data. So if you give it a patient that has heart failure, it will look, it'll compare that patient to um, other patients in the past who had had heart failure when they were in the hospital and kind of correlate with what made them likely to readmit. And so you apply that to new patients. So at the end, you kind of, you have this, what's called a model. And so you apply that to patients who are in the hospital right now based on what you saw in the past. So it essentially compares the current patient to a patient that looks like them from the past and then gives you a percentage, essentially one to 100% likelihood that the patient is going to readmit. So then after that, you have this prediction, you can gather some other data and you serve up those predictions to the nursing staff and educate them on how to use the tool. And then they'll prioritize patients based on that likelihood to, to readmit. So you might get a patient who has like a 60% chance to readmit. So what the nurse is going to do is schedule some extra follow-ups for that patient so they can, you know, get into the see their PCP quickly or maybe have some uh, telemedicine consults, make sure the patient got their meds and that sort of thing so that you can try to prevent that readmission from happening, even though it was like 60% likely to happen. Okay, thank you for explaining that. I have two follow-up questions. Is a company like Unity Point Health sort of like a consulting company that hospitals and health systems may contract with to do this data analytics for them? No, so we're, um, we're actually a health system. Um, so we span three states. We cover, I guess we're an integrated delivery network. We have, you know, like, outpatient uh, surgery type places. We have hospitals, critical access hospitals, clinics, 
uh, home health care and that sort of thing. But we we span three states. So we're primarily in Iowa, but we have hospitals and clinics in Illinois and Wisconsin. And so we knew and we're also in a lot of ACO contracts, accountable care organizations. Um, so we we have a ton of data that we can do these things with because they're all our patients um, or all patients that are attributed to us through through an ACO. So um, we have you know millions of patients that we see or that have a PCP at Unity Point, and we have claims files for them to get information about um, if they've used the ED at a like a competitor health system. Um, I even I looked uh, for a presentation I did. We have access to like 150 million labs in the past like seven or so years. So we have all this data that we can kind of do those as I explained that project or that readmissions. We can go back and get what medical conditions everybody had in labs that everybody had. So it sounds like some health systems might have a, like a data analytics team, like what you're on, like kind of in-house looking at our own patients and kind of using these prediction tools. I would imagine that some hospitals and health systems don't have their own data analytics team, or maybe I'm wrong. Are 100% of hospitals and health systems doing this or is, is your health system kind of ahead of the curve or how would you describe that? In terms of data science, our health system is uh, very ahead of the curve. I, it's, it's pretty likely that most hospitals have an analytics team or at least some sort of reporting team just because they do have to report a lot of quality metrics. Um, but I think, yeah, where it, where it diverges is data science and so predicting these things. I can say for um, the other two organizations in town that are, have a majority of the, the clinics and hospitals or combined with us have a majority of the hospitals and clinics. The, they don't have data science teams. Um, I know one has an analytics team based on a rotation I did, but they're they're not doing this more advanced, like predicting someone's going to readmit to the hospital or predicting that somebody's going to use the hospital or ED in the next 12 months. That's something that's kind of unique to us and uh, kind of on a national level too, um, it's more unique. And I think part of that is due to the fact that we're in all of these ACO contracts, like they're by predicting readmission rates and hospitalization rates, we can directly have an impact on our bottom line. So if we keep people out of the hospital, that will uh, get us more savings in these accountable care organizations and directly affect the bottom line. So I think a lot of it is because of that unique um, situation that we have at Unity Point compared to some other health systems. Yeah, I'm reading the between the lines a little bit that this may become a more regular thing. Like this might be, this is gonna become the norm and health systems and hospitals that don't have their own data analytics team or doing it to the same level as your company will eventually get there. And we're gonna need more pharmacists in these positions. Is that, is that how you feel? Do you feel like this is a, this is a booming area for pharmacists? Yes, I would definitely agree. I think it's, it's, going to be the future of healthcare. And I think it'll only benefit from having pharmacists involved. Uh, there's a presentation that I do to a group of students every rotation block. And there's one really cool slide that I have in there. And it essentially shows, um, it's two pictures of the United States and one's from like 2012 and the other's from 2013. And it's essentially a graph of how much uh, money or incentives have gone into launching electronic health records to sort of digitize a lot of healthcare. And so in the 2012 one, there's not many red dots on the map, 
But when you go to the look at the 2013 one, there's health systems all over the country that are implementing these electronic health records. And so I would classify that more as under the informatics part of pharmacy. Like that's where more where informatics is being involved, like building the electronic health record and that sort of thing. But so that second graphic on that slide is from 2013. So that's been happening for a while. And I think honestly, that's when Unity Point launched Epic um, was in like late 2012, early 2013. And so these systems have now been around for seven or eight years. And so I think at some point it switches to, um, instead of building these systems or getting money to build these systems, it's how are we gonna use the data that we've been collecting over the past seven to 10 years. And so that is primarily going to favor like data analytics or data science over some of the maybe traditional informatics like building the EHR. So I think it's, um, there's gonna be many, many more data science opportunities in the future. So if this is the future of healthcare and you see more and more pharmacists going into this space and having value here, how do you recommend pharmacy schools and curriculums including more of this information to students? Yeah, that's a, um, especially coming from Drake University, we didn't have a whole lot of informatics type concepts or even, I had to go kind of go out of my way to do this data analytics thing. I was kind of doing it on my, on my own. So it wasn't integrated at all into the pharmacy curriculum. So I think um, what is kind of the ideal situation would be universities and pharmacy schools having um, what we called at Drake concentrations. So it was uh, like four or five classes maybe, and then you had to do a special rotation experience. But so Drake <clears throat> had them specifically for like global health or diabetes. So um, I had started the diabetes one. It was essentially just a few classes that you took focused very specifically on diabetes. So it kind of gave you a different experience than some of your other classmates who weren't pursuing that option. And I think some some schools are doing some of this already um, for some reason or another. Uh, a lot of the school, pharmacy schools in Tennessee are very technologically advanced. Um, so uh, a person early on in informatics I connected to, Dr. Blosh, he's a professor at Belmont University, and he teaches classes on Amazon Alexa and programming Alexa skills, they're called. Um, to like provide drug information or that sort of thing. Um, so I think some schools are starting to do that already. I think honestly the best way to get some of that experience or know how data science works in real life is internship experiences. That's the only way that you're going to really solve real world problems with data science, especially you can't just as a, as a student or anyone who doesn't work in health data science, go and ask a health system for their data uh, with like HIPAA and like all that. That's not, um, not something you can do. So, but an internship allows you to have more hands-on experience with that. Um, I think where schools can kind of fill in though is before you do that internship, there's a certain set of skills that you'll need to be successful in an internship. And so those, those are things that can be taught in the classroom setting, like a concentration or a class or two. And so those are mostly like computer programming, that's a big part of my job. Um, those visualization tools like Tableau that I talked about, um, some of those cloud computing skills that I talked about are starting to become more popular, but you can learn those, uh, those topics during a class. Or there's also, um, if you're interested in sort of a self-study route, there's plenty of resources out there to learn 
that sort of stuff. One good resource is called datacamp.com. Um, they have a lot of data science classes where you can learn the programming languages that are important in data science. Um, and I think really like data science internships aren't something that obviously pharmacy students are looking for, at least not now, or it's not like on everybody's mind about, oh, I wanna find data science internships. So they can be kind of hard to find. Uh, but I think honestly working with a local health system in the area, if they have a maybe a data science team already or an analytics team, if you can find data scientists in your area, if you're a student and start connecting with them like I did with Ben, you can even probably work your way into getting the opportunity of an internship, even if uh, they don't have an internship already. I love that Dalton because you gave like four different really concrete tangible things that schools and students can start thinking about. Number one, you can think about doing a concentration. Number two, we could partner with different companies for internships and then there's things that we can do to provide certain skills in the classroom to prepare them for the hands-on activities and internships. Number three, you talked about some individual things that somebody can do like datacamp.com and some other skill building things that uh, individually somebody could do, even if the school doesn't necessarily offer anything. And then lastly, you talked about partnering even just with some health systems, even if they don't offer an internship, can they find their Ben and work with them that way and kind of get in the door. So I love how you just came, came with some really concrete ideas. So you've talked about this a little bit, how you're starting to share this message, and I'm seeing this loud and clear on LinkedIn. I'm seeing pharmacists get the word out there that data science, informatics, this is a thing. Uh, and I, I've seen you post some really cool stuff on LinkedIn. How else are you kind of sharing this message? You mentioned precepting, topic discussions. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, kind of the way that I'm doing it the most, I guess, is uh, I have a lot of people reaching out to me on LinkedIn, uh, like sending me messages asking about data science and um, kind of the first part there, I also determine if they're interested in data science or informatics more and then kind of refer if they're interested in informatics because it's different enough. But so I'm able to answer a lot of questions there. Um, within the past couple of months, I also started a, uh, a blog about data science and healthcare. So it's um, on Medium. Um, it's awesome. called the, the Data Science Pharmacist. So I've been doing that kind of, at least at the beginning, my focus has mostly been on um, answering the common questions about like what skills you should learn or what programming languages you should learn, what are opportunities for, uh, or higher education opportunities for data science, kind of like that master's in analytics I was doing. Um, but then I've also started partnering with my alma mater, Drake, and I've spoken at a uh, APHA ASP chapter meeting. Uh, last month I went to, uh, I went and presented at a class that Drake has for, uh, it's kind of early on in the curriculum to get an idea of what is all out there in pharmacy, even if it's uh, beyond kind of the normal chain community pharmacy and inpatient pharmacy. And then um, kind of alluded to this earlier, but every block of rotations, I have a one hour topic discussion with a few uh, preceptors in Des Moines and so their students attend that and I kind of give them an idea of what what data science looks like in real life and then I'm really excited for this uh, last one but starting in May 2021 I am starting to precept students at my um, health system so they'll work directly um, for those five weeks or ten weeks if they do a, a double block with me um, they'll get firsthand experience about how data science works 
I love that. And I would like an invitation to one of your preceptor topic discussions, please. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I love that. Um, so let's just go back to LinkedIn for a moment because I know you've done a lot of networking there. What advice would you give to someone who, to encourage them to start using it, who may be a little hesitant? Yeah. So, I mean, as I see it, there's three main ways that I view networking. I mean, you can do them at a conference. You can do them uh, in any committee meetings that you're in or committees that you're on. Or there's this option to do it on LinkedIn. And so if you think about those three options, uh, conferences require events, which obviously right now are not, not happening uh, due to the pandemic. And then committees, like you have a very specific task when you're working on a committee, um, you have an end goal and you can't just focus on, you know, learning about other people's jobs. So LinkedIn out of those three options is um, honestly the easiest and you can kind of get to the, get to the point as quickly as possible compared to those conferences and committees. Um, it honestly doesn't take much to get started. You just uh, log, log in or sign up for an account on, on LinkedIn. Um, and it's already a, a place where people are focused on professional development. Like that is the whole point of LinkedIn. And I think what's worked well for me, especially on LinkedIn, is not only posting and connecting on LinkedIn, but there is another place that's kind of uh, synergistically improved my reach on LinkedIn. And that's a group called the Pharmacist Slack group. Um, if anyone's not familiar, Slack is like a, a group messaging service. Um, so it's this Pharmacist Slack is a group just for pharmacists, you have pharmacists and students. Um, you have to send Regina your uh, license number and she looks you up to make sure you're a pharmacist or an, an intern. And so that opportunity has been really incredible. I've been able to meet a lot of people on there, especially people in technology roles. And so the people in that group have actually kind of encourage me to um, be more active on LinkedIn and start those blogs and post those blogs on, on LinkedIn. So we kind of all also help each other out um, on LinkedIn. So um, they'll share uh, my blog articles or um, there's a group of guys who run the Pharmacy Informatics Academy and they came out with a course recently. And so I'll always like share that type of information. So we're, um, the community and the pharmacist Slack is also always encouraging um, you to use uh, to use LinkedIn to to kind of expand your network, and then in terms of like how it specifically relates to data science, um, it's LinkedIn is super useful for finding people that you want to talk to um, and finding data scientists in your area. So if I was if I was interested in data science and I wasn't working in it right now, you could just type in like the name of my health health system. So Unity Point Health, the data scientist. And the first person that would probably show up is my boss, Ben. And so you can easily just right from that search, send a connection request with a message and saying, uh, I really think your job is interesting. I want to learn more about it and potentially pursue it as a career. And I think especially as a student, but even as a, as a pharmacist, people love talking about their jobs, or at least I do. Um, so if anyone reaches out to me on LinkedIn, I will uh, definitely message them back. So I think people definitely like talking about the, especially when they're jobs like data science that are kind of up and coming. Um, I found that you got, that you'll get a lot of response back from them. And then so you can also work with them, uh, connect with those data scientists on LinkedIn and see like what kind of projects would set me up well 
to get a, a position. And I mean, that's essentially how I kept in touch with Ben over the, that year and a half before I got the data science internship was, was LinkedIn. So I just, you know, message him every couple of months with something that I, that I found that was interesting and kind of get his thoughts on it. So I would say like in terms of data science, it's especially helpful in kind of finding, finding those people who do data science and are pharmacists, especially because there's not, uh, there's not a whole lot of us, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, those are some really good tips and you're encouraging me to get on that Slack channel. I've connected with Regina. Uh, I just haven't taken the next step. So thank you for giving yes. me the push I needed it's today. Awesome. I'm going to get, I'm going to get on there. Um, and I'm going to post your blog and I'm going to post your LinkedIn URL. So awesome. you might get a lot of connections. So yeah, you have to keep up it. with your promise of writing back. Yes. Now. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So before we talk a little bit more about you personally, I have one more question to kind of wrap up this conversation about your career, what would you want new grads and students to know about this career path in pharmacy? If you could kind of summarize it. Yeah, so it's a, it's a career path that is, uh, as I see it, infinitely growing. Um, there's not, there's also like to be realistic, like there's not one way to get into data science and healthcare because it's so new. Uh, my path is one way that you can, you can do it, but there could be you know, an infinite number of other opportunities. And if anyone wants to feel free to message me and I'll help you think through some of those. But yeah, I think it's definitely going to get bigger. If you look at the job outlook for data scientists, um, it far outpaces like the job demand for uh, pharmacists. It's like one of those tech jobs that's useful everywhere. Um, kind of another thing that you want to think about is you're probably going to be less reliant on your clinical skills while you're a data scientist. So if, if patient care is absolutely what you want to do, data science might be something that you could maybe get into later in your career. Um, how I look at it is, even though I'm not working with um, patients day to day, and I kind of get that from my methadone clinic every third week, so that's honestly why I do it, because I still love the patient interaction, um, but you're gonna have an impact on uh, more people. So the tools that we make on our data science team are used by hundreds of nurses who are taking care of, you know, hundreds or thousands of patients. That's kind of how I think about it. You're still going to use your interprofessional communication skills and things like that, but it's just uh, good to kind of have um, that knowledge that you're probably not going to be doing many clinical tasks. And then kind of lastly, honestly, data science is used everywhere. Um, so if you want to stay in healthcare, that's great. Like that's probably my plan. I don't plan to really leave healthcare data science. But I do um, know a pharmacist who works as a data scientist at Tumblr, like the social media network. Um, so really, you can take your skills from health data science and work in data science in a number of different industries. It's not just like, I can only stay in health data science. I just choose to. But you can also uh, go to other industries if something piques your interest. Yeah, I love a couple of things you said there, that there's not one way to get in to this space because I feel like sometimes students feel like if I need that clinical position, I need to do a residency. If I want to work for pharma, I've got to do this fellowship. But it's not so cookie cutter for this field. And I love that because you can kind of be creative about how you, and even like you said, even if it's a later career kind of decision, that's still an option. Right. I also liked what you said about, think about what type of impact you want to have. Do you get more satisfaction out of those one-on-one -on -one communications with patients or 
having an impact on a larger population can still be incredibly fulfilling. So I love that you said that. So we are going to transition and just learn a little bit more about you. Uh, what's next for you? Uh, where do you want to grow professionally? Yeah, so I think um, what's next for me um, is definitely kind of continuing to advance the profession in a more technological direction. Um, so kind of continuing those data science presentations that I do. But something I'm really kind of interested in is creating classes for pharmacy schools to offer their students about data science. A lot of the information out there for data science is non-healthcare specific, and there's um, just some peculiarities, I guess we'll call them, about healthcare that make it different than other fields. So kind of working with data sets that more mimic what um, healthcare looks like, I think is, is something that's not being done right now that could be done better. So I can see myself doing that. In addition to um, we're working through maybe even offering a data science fellowship for pharmacists at my health system. I think that would be uh, a great opportunity for someone to get, um, if they're interested in pursuing data science, they'll have the opportunity to um, pursue that right away after school and not kind of like piece together uh, the path that I did. There's, there'd be more of a direct path into that opportunity. And there's, they're starting to become more of those options um, so David Berkowitz is a pharmacist who works at OmniCell, and he has uh, an analytics fellowship at OmniCell that he that he runs. And so there there's more of those types of opportunities. There is also an opportunity at Vizient for um, an analytics fellowship designed for uh, pharmacists. I think they're starting to become more of those options, and I think I would like to uh, potentially also have one of those opportunities available to uh, students and pharmacists. Dalton, I want you to do all of those things. Yes. <laughs> so uh, please, we, we need that in pharmacy and I can't wait to see you reach all of those goals. I think that would be amazing. Uh, tell us about one or more of your mentors and how they've helped you. Sure, so um, maybe I'll focus on pharmacy mentors and data science mentors. So um, two of my biggest mentors while I was in pharmacy school were two of my professors, Nora Stelter and Wendy Mobley-Buckstein. Um, so they were kind of main mentors in pharmacy school. And uh, what I gained from them is how impactful mentoring could be. And they kind of helped me set me up for my career and getting involved in organizations and helping uh, me with that and how, you know, organizational involvement is an important part of a career in pharmacy. Um, you should like ideally be involved in organizations like ASHP and APHA to kind of help push the, the profession of pharmacy forward and they've kind of inspired me to consider being a professor in the future and kind of pass on that mentoring that they that they gave me while I was in pharmacy school and after pharmacy school and then my data science mentor is my boss Ben Cleveland uh, is is great because Ben is like the perfect boss to have um, in my first job in data science um, because you can do all of these cool machine learning algorithms and stuff like that, but what Ben, Ben is very good at that also, um, but what he's really great about conveying like the business case for a project that we're doing or new technologies that we want to use um, and kind of sharing that with the health system leaders so that we can get the opportunity to do these, 
these certain projects. And he's also very good about, I mean, as probably most pharmacists are and we're trained to be, we are very much like perfectionists. And so I will not stop working with some data until I am sure that I have absolutely everything correct, even if having absolutely everything correct isn't necessary. So at some point there's an acceptable margin of error. And so he's uh, the opposite of me in terms of that. So it's kind of a good yin and yang to have um, someone who can say, okay, this is at a, at a point where it's good enough to use in our model. Like it, it's very good. It doesn't need to be absolutely, absolutely perfect. Wow. Okay. Second shout out to Ben for the podcast yeah. <laughs> episode. Uh, you know, I think it's interesting that you said about his unique a combination of skills to have this technical expertise, but also have the business acumen to have the discussion to convey yeah. the business model. And I feel that's the same way in pharmacy. We've got so many pharmacy leaders who've got the clinical expertise, but uh, sometimes lack the business acumen to kind of make the case for why we need to do this clinical program. So I love the fact that you uh, are being mentored by someone who uh, has both those skills. Mm -hmm. uh, who inspires you? Uh, so I would say being uh, surrounded by my colleagues who are doing also innovative things. I've always found like in pharmacy school and even after, I tend to gravitate towards those pharmacists who are leaders or very active uh, in building their brand. So the idea that I uh, got to start blogging about data science was because of some uh, pharmacists that I'm connected with, uh, primarily got connected with them from that pharmacist. Slack group, but they had started um, kind of their own blog about informatics. The group of them had started a blog. And so that really encouraged me to think about blogging for myself. So being surrounded by those types of people. I would say also um, having a wife who's driven just like I am, uh, and she's always encouraged me to pursue my passion. So we've been together for nine years, but married for three. And so the first, first year of being married was when I was on rotations. And so I obviously wasn't earning a lot of a lot of income. So she supported us and was always encouraging me to pursue things that I was interested in. And that second year of being married was when I was kind of piecing together things and then eventually found the data science opportunity. But she's always encouraged me to pursue those things that I'm uh, passionate about. And she's also amazing with her ability to try new things or take new opportunities, which in turn breeds more motivation in me. So she's, as uh, a fun fact, she's a, a super talented crocheter. And so in the past like year or two, she started an Etsy shop and I'm going to give a shout out here, but uh, called Orchard Lane Creations. And she makes like adorable crocheted stuffed animals and stuff like that. So having, having a spouse who's motivated like I am, it is always like encouraging me has also uh, inspired me. And then kind of not a, not a person, but being an underdog in my career or being in a kind of a field that I didn't expect or not, not, not many pharmacists are in, or most of the people who work in that field are not, not pharmacists, has also been kind of weirdly inspiring. So it, it has the opportunity to kind of give you that imposter syndrome, like what is a pharmacist doing who's had some programming classes? What are they doing in a data science role? But I honestly, it's easier to find skills that I can improve on or ways to differentiate myself between like Ben has a very heavy statistics and math background and that's not something that I have or necessarily desire to have. So it's easier for me to find opportunities 
that I can learn like these new cloud computing things or be familiar with them and be the expert in that instead of needing to be the expert in the math and statistics behind all of these uh, machine learning models. I can, I can be familiar, but I don't need to be the expert. I can resonate with so many things that you said, Dalton. So I'm so glad you said them all, like being professionally supported, being personally supported at home. And then this feeling of not people sometimes not really understanding what you're doing and being able to kind of uh, grow from that and kind of motivating yourself. And so I can resonate with all of it. So I'm so glad you shared that. Uh, do you have a favorite quote or mantra that speaks to you? Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know where I heard it, but, and based on previous discussion, we'll have it, it will make a lot of sense, but the quote is like, failure is not final. Um, so I've obviously failed a number of times in my career. So my short career so far, but it's always led to something great. So if I, if I would have had passed my um, therapeutics three class, I would have never gotten my data analytics minor. And so that would have been, Kind of a whole nother process I would have had to follow and you know take those classes or learn that information on my own but then also like I applied for those informatics residencies during my p4 year and the year after I graduated but if I had gotten those opportunities I probably wouldn't have I wouldn't have done my internship and then gotten right into a data science career I would have you know completed two years of residency and then maybe got to data science afterwards but that path would be less, less linear It'd kind of be taking a detour for a little bit, doing informatics and then jumping back to data science. So like in hindsight, those two things, like retaking that class and not matching were the best things to happen in my career. Because honestly, I probably would have just finished my PGY2 right now. And I've already been on the data science team for a year and a half. I love that. I love this reframing that you've done with these setbacks, but when you look at them, they're not really setbacks. They propelled you to where right. you needed to be. So I, I love that. Uh, so we have one more question for you. But before that, uh, what social media channels are you on? And how can we connect with you? Yeah, so I'm on like Facebook and definitely connect with me on LinkedIn. That's probably the place that I'm most active. But then also, um, I post them on LinkedIn. But you can also check me out on my blog, The Data Science Pharmacist. So whenever I make an article, I also share it on LinkedIn. So you'll, you'll see it that way also. Great. Thank you. So our last question today is, I know you're a new grad from 2018. You've already had so many unique experiences so far. And there's a lot of opportunity that lies ahead. Thinking about all of that, what is the impact you want to have? Yeah, I think so. I think the impact that I want to have is being along with a, a group of other pharmacists who are pushing this way too, but advancing the profession in a more technological direction and uh, kind of making more opportunities for people to get involved in data science. I think it's kind of people fall into it even now still kind of by accident, but if people had the opportunity to learn more about it in the future, I think that's um, I want to be known for helping that to happen. So starting that data science fellowship, teaching, you know, those data science uh, classes at pharmacy schools, kind of being uh, someone known for uh, being an educator of pharmacists and students in terms of uh, data science careers. And then also getting involved in leading the national organizations. Um, so ASHP like has a academy or a, a section on 
pharmacy informatics and technology, but there's not a, a whole lot of people who do data science. It's a lot of informaticists and informatics leaders. So um, getting involved in that sort of professional involvement also is something that I'd like to be known for. I love that. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Dalton. And I look forward to hearing about all these new connections you're going to make. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me, Brooke. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Dalton, for a fantastic interview. Here are my takeaways. I'm in awe of how natural it seemed for Dalton to reframe failures into wins. I loved how passionate he is about this field, and he doesn't want to be there alone. He's actively educating others about the future of this path. Lastly, I love the question he asked himself, what would have happened if I didn't fail? That is something I'm gonna definitely ask myself more often. Thanks, Dalton. Please connect with our guest on LinkedIn and please follow us on social media, 21st Century PharmD. If you know someone who I should interview, please email me at 21stCenturyFarmD at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook group that's for pharmacists, new grads, and students. Check us out.